Let me read this to you guys. This is out of the book of Romans. You can just listen if you'd like. Although we do have Bibles in the, uh, the aisleway here. Feel free to grab a NIV paperback. This is Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, praying for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God is the most powerful, the most powerful bonding force in the universe. The love of God empowers us to overcome evil in this world. And the love of God uh, working through us. It's the thing that sets us apart as God's children. It's the great sign to the world that we belong to Jesus. There is nothing more important, significant, or as wonderful as the love of God in Christ. How does that feel? We've been talking about love. We've started a sermon series, as churches do, entitled Regarding Love. It's so big and lofty, you can almost feel like, how is that even a thing? Like, what is that supposed to feel like? These are great questions. We should talk about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to figure out, at least we're going to try, God willing, um, to grow in love. Like beyond just words, we had a, um, before the service started this morning, we always gather at 9.15, whoever's serving on a team, Kid City, worship team, coffee, etc. we have a little powwow, and uh, I felt so strongly that the Holy Spirit wanted to remind us that when we talk about love, this is not just, we're not just rehearsing ideas, this isn't just about words. In fact, if we don't ever get past words, a woe unto us, God is inviting us to experience his love. God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. Who's in? You guys wanna go on that ride? I'm totally in. Let's talk to God. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for making a way uh, to where it's, it's not just words. It's not just an idea. You demonstrated your love for us by coming and dying on our behalf on a cross. And not only that, you came back to life, inviting us to, to walk with you, 
and to engage with you and receive your love. Lord, would you help us this morning? Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher? Would you open up our hearts and give us courage to trust you and to receive your love today? In Jesus' name, amen. So this is part three of our Regarding Love series. And we've been using a chapter out of one of Paul's letters. You've probably heard of the Apostle Paul. He wrote a whole bunch of letters to the early church. And this particular one was the first letter, and one of two letters that he wrote to the church in Corinth, way back in the first century. And in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, he actually looks specifically at, like, well, what is this love? Like, really? What are we talking about? And so we've been just going through this chapter, and we're going to keep coming back to it and just looking at it bit by bit, and that's what we're going to do this morning. So um, next I want to read to you out of the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, um, and this morning we're going to read verses 4 through 13. So this will be our third time, third week in a row reading through this. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Your translation might say, love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, when I grew up, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then when the perfect comes, I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Last week we looked at love is patient and kind. Continuing on in the list, this morning we're going to look at love does not envy or boast. It's interesting, um, out of the list, most of the, the words that are used are, um, uh, what's the word, it, it, what love is not. I don't know what to make of it, um, other than that's very interesting to me. Love does not envy or boast. Um, so let's talk about envying and boasting. Why is that not loving? Um, of all the things that could have been included in the list, it doesn't feel, I, I can think of other things, like murder is not loving. Adultery, not super loving. Like there's other things that come to mind, right? But this is, this is right at the beginning of the list. So this is, this is interesting to me. Um, I'll be the first one to admit that feeling envious or desiring to subtly boast are both relatively benign emotions. I'm not disagreeing 
with the Bible. I'm just, just saying. It feels like, you know, on a surface level anyways, feeling a bit envious or having that subtle desire to kind of, you know, show off or boast a little bit are relatively benign emotions, not super attractive, not necessarily evil, not particularly loving either, at least on the surface level. Um, I think of like when I feel envious of someone else, it, it typically it starts out with just like, oh, I admire. I admire you. I admire the way you look. Um, I don't know that I'm necessarily envying you, um, but, but maybe, maybe it's like the beginning. Maybe it's what, what could become envy. But it starts out uh, relatively innocent enough. I admire you. I really like that thing about you. I like the way you look. I like that talent that you have. I like the way you talk. Man, I really admire you. Maybe you could call it envy. Um, similarly, boasting. I'm excited to share with the world this thing that I'm excited about. I'm not trying to show off per se. I'm not like boasting, boasting. I'm just, I'm excited. I want to post it. I want to share it. I want, I, want, I want you to enjoy it with me. And so in that respect, you could say envying and boasting. It's a bit like um, admiration and enthusiasm. Those are relatively benign feelings. Do you agree? Like not super evil. Um, but the scriptures rarely speak to the surface level. The Bible doesn't do surface very well. It usually is always going for the root. So uh, let's trace the root if we can. Envying and boasting actually stem from a much deeper and darker place. Um, let us reason together. Starting with envy. So envy may start out with, I admire you. Okay. That's admiration. Um, then it may, maybe progresses to, I wish I was more like you. Still not super evil. Um, or maybe it goes a little bit further, I wish I was you. I wish I was you, I wish I wasn't me. If I could become more like you, I might actually begin to like me. And on and on we go. Are you tracking with me? Is that reasonable? Starts out relatively benign. It's innocent. It's not super evil. Not super attractive. But if you trace its root, there's something else going on there. I wish I was you. I don't just want what you have. I, I wish I was you. I wish I wasn't me. In fact, if I was more like you, maybe I'd begin to actually like me. What of boasting? I'm excited to share with the world. I'm enthusiastic about this thing that I just cannot stop posting about on whatever. Enthusiasm. I'm excited to share with the world. Uh, let's go a little deeper. I want to be appreciated. That's all right. I'd like you to see this thing about me that I'm excited about. And I wouldn't mind a little appreciation, a little recognition. Maybe you're like, wow, that's amazing. You're amazing. I think we all want a little bit of that. I want to be celebrated. Okay. I want you to be impressed with me. 
I need you to be impressed with me. I'm incomplete without your approval. If you don't affirm me, I'm not sure I'm a whole human being. <clears throat> Envy. I'm not content simply being happy for you. I wish I was you. Boasting. I'm not content simply being me. I need you to wish you were me. I need you to affirm me. I need you to affirm me. It's actually envy just inside out. Um, I'm not a psychologist, I'll just say that, but in psychological terms, um, there's probably one or two psychologists in here, so you can correct me afterwards. But generally speaking, this is what, in family systems theory, they called an underdeveloped differentiation of self. Okay, I'm not getting any dirty looks, good. Um, <laughs> instead of enjoying, honoring, celebrating, or possibly even just disagreeing with you, I become dependent upon you. I need you to be okay so that I can be okay. I need you to like me so that I can like me. It's all about me. That's what happens when you have an underdeveloped differentiation of self. I can't be happy unless you're happy. I can't be okay unless you're okay. Thus, I need you to be okay with me. It's the only way I'm okay. In theological terms, this is what St. Augustine referred to as the inward curve of self, not inward in, inward, turning in on oneself. I don't know how else to say it. The inward curve of self, or what we might simply refer to as self-centeredness, um, or another word for it is sin. It's how Augustine later on Luther defined sin. It's the turning in on self. Everything and everyone somehow starts to become about me. That's what's really at the root of envying and boasting. In real world terms, it's what's called Instagram. <laughs> I'm glad you laughed at that. I was like, is this going to make people mad or are you going to actually get the humor? It's actually not funny. It's like, it's totally not funny. It's Instagram. And it's the opposite of love. Um, the book of James says this. This is chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. Okay, that's connecting a few dots. You covet, or envy, it's the same Greek word. You envy and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel. James just gets like right to the point. Boasting and ending is not only not loving, it's actually what causes us to kill each other. If you're not okay, I'm not okay. 
which means you need to get okay, otherwise you are now a problem. Fundamentally, you are a problem. You are interfering with my security. You're a threat to my identity. And so I'm going to murder you, at least in my heart. I know that sounds a little extreme, but um, the Bible is super insightful. I mean, I'm always a little wary of sort of like dipping into the world of psychology, except for that the Bible like does really good psychology. As far as I can tell, like the Bible was doing family systems theory like long before it became a thing. What was the guy's name? Bowen? Anyone? Hey, you guys don't know anything. I can just say whatever I want. <laughs> So, that's the diagnosis, right? Let's start, let's start with the problem. That's the diagnosis. That's the human condition, at least part of the human condition. Um, envying and boasting, not loving. What's the solution? You ready for it? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Oh, yeah. As it turns out, Jesus is on Instagram. <laughs> Only 1.1 million followers. That's, that's not very good. Maybe we should follow Jesus. Like, he could do better than that. Um, yeah, that's a real thing. Notice he's actually following one person. Don't you, don't you just wonder, who the heck is Jesus following? Is it the Holy Spirit? Like, what's, who is he following? Because <laughs> that's just a joke. Uh, but the answer really is follow Jesus. Um, and I have mixed feelings about Instagram, honestly. I, I think it is. It's a cesspool. Um, our church has an Instagram account. There's some, like, super cool pictures on it. But psychologically, theologically, like it does, it taps into a very, very dark aspect of human nature. Like, I need you to like me. That, that's how we get sucked into it. It starts out with, hey, I'm enthusiastic. I'm sharing the thing. Okay, great. Awesome. I like it. I love you. You're, that's wonderful. Let's celebrate that, that together. But there's something else going on. And I'm not going to start ranting on social media, but there's, there's, a point, there's a point there. There's something else going on. It taps into my need to be approved by others. A need to be liked. And if you've never experienced this feeling on social media, good on you. Just, just steer clear. <clears throat> the solution is simply, and I will impact this, Follow Jesus. Come to the deeper well. The, the symptoms, the diagnosis, if you will, um, that's not to like beat anyone up or to make you feel bad about yourself. This is just like, let's just speak plainly about us humans. Like this, this is just, this is the world we live in. This is part of brokenness. This is part of sin, my sin and yours. It actually reminds me that there's something, um, something about the way I've been designed. I'm meant to seek approval. M my kids started doing it but before they could even walk. It's like it's built into us. We need to be affirmed. I need to know that I am loved. What I do with that feeling, where I go, or how I work it out, that's another story. And that's where things can go terribly wrong. That's where things go terribly wrong. But simply acknowledging the fact that we're broken, that's, 
that's not, it's not the point, nor is it a problem. It's just sim- simply meant to point us to a better source, the deeper well, not the toilet water, the living water, not salt water. It's like if you're super thirsty, you'll drink anything. But if it's salt water, you'll actually end up dying of dehydration, thinking that like this is somehow quenching my thirst. Jesus said this. This is from John chapter 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or her heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. How do we follow Jesus? How does this work? I don't know where you're like, where you might sort of like fit yourself. And you think about envying, boasting, and that that progressions that I kind of submitted to you guys. It gets like super extreme, right? James takes it all the way to murder. But I reckon you, we all kind of fall someplace on the spectrum to varying degrees at different points in our life. Sometimes we can feel deeply insecure. There's nothing worse than like becoming aware of the fact that like I really need this person to like me. Like I really need their affirmation. It feels so deeply insecure. Um, But wherever you are at now, what does it look like to go to Jesus? How is Jesus the deeper well? How do I receive his Love, his affirmation. How do I receive God's approval? Um, Well, first of all, as Jesus just said, come to him thirsty. Um, There's always a temptation to want to sort of, um, you know, hold up, um, like save face a little bit. It's you don't want to be like totally vulnerable. You don't want to admit like. Your, your total insecurity. And so we tend to sort of navigate the world and interact with each other and even approach God, I think, with sort of like a backup plan in our back pocket. Like we don't, we're thirsty, but we're not like dying of thirst. Like we're not that needy because that would just feel kind of pathetic. But Jesus says, come to me thirsty. If you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, then come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you what you're looking for, but you've got to come to me thirsty You've got to admit your need. And then I've got living water for you more than enough. More than enough. Um, I'll put it this way. Come to Jesus thirsty because until you're willing to be loved for who you truly are, you will never know what it means to be truly loved. I would try to write, write that down or memorize that. If you're like, ah, it's not that impressive, then think about it. Meditate on that. Jesus says, come to me thirsty. Come to me needy. Come to me dying of thirst. Be desperate. Admit your sickness. And I will be your deeper well. Because until you learn how to be 
loved as your true self, you will never experience true love. We have a tendency, I'm speaking from personal experience, I want, I, I get it in my mind that God loves me unconditionally and I, I understand that like theologically or I, I get the idea of that, but I've been conditioned uh, to know that actually uh, love really is conditional because I've never ever acted with another human being in like the world where love isn't like actually conditional, at least a little bit. And so we come to God with this little niggle in the back of our minds, deep in our soul, that actually his love's a little conditional. And if I really want him to love me, then I need to bring, like, I need to present myself at least a little like I'm worth it. And so I say, Jesus, I'm thirsty. I need you. For the most part. But not like totally. I'm not like that needy. I'm not that desperate. I'm not that pathetic. And so Jesus will say, oh, okay, great. Here, here you go. You want a, like a sippy cup? What do, you, what do you want? A shot glass? What do you need? What do you need? Do you need a deeper well? Or you do, do you need just like a little, just a little swig? Until you're willing to be loved for who you truly are, you will never know what it means to be truly loved. So that's an invitation um, to be painfully honest with yourself, to be painfully vulnerable. Come to Jesus, not who, with who you want to be, not with who you think you should be. Come to Jesus, not who, with like the, the person you're aspiring to be. Come to Jesus right where you're at. He wants to love you for who you truly are, right here, right now, today. He died for us while we were his enemies and all of our glorious mess. So come to Jesus thirsty. That's step number one. Probably the hardest step of all, actually. Uh, secondly, let Jesus make you into who he has made you to become. Because wanting to change, wanting to grow, it's actually a good sign of health. Wanting to mature is loving. So we start right where we're at. That's where Jesus meets us. Dying of thirst. But Jesus doesn't want us to stay there. And nor do we. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to be this guy 10 years from now. I'm really hoping that I'm on a good trajectory. I'm becoming like a better person, a more whole human, a better lover. I, I want to change. Yes, I want to be a better lover. And I'm already pretty dang good. Sorry, 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 sorry. Verse 11 says this, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, when I grew up, I gave up childish ways. That's in the love chapter. It's good to want to grow up. Jesus will help you to become a more whole and fully alive human, him being our perfect example. 
which means, this is my third and final point, um, we need to remember last week's sermon. Be patient and kind with yourself and one another. You are in need. We all are. When I begin to envy others, or it's, it's what I call the, the secret compulsion to be someone else. I might like myself more if I just was someone else. Everyone knows what that is. Or when I begin to boast, thinking like, man, I need you to affirm me. I need you to be impressed with me. I need you to like me. We all know what that is. I think. Tell me I'm not alone. So that tells us I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Thirsting. Probably thirstier than I realize. Jesus invites us, come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me. Bring those needs and those compulsions and those insecurities to me. Only give it all to me. And let Jesus begin to fill you. He will change you. Let Jesus make you into the person he made you to become. And prepare to be patient. Be patient. The journey... It is long. Slow down. That was one of the things that God spoke to us during our week of prayer, fasting, and consecration last month. Hannah, you, you, Hannah Howie, you shared that with us, and that's, it stuck with me. I wrote it on the wall in our prayer room downstairs. Slow down. Growing takes time. Real change takes time. Healing takes time. Breaking addictions, addiction cycles take time. Earning trust takes time. Relationships take time. Listening takes time. Resting takes time. Waiting takes time. Becoming more like Jesus takes a lifetime. Building things that last take time. Carving new neuropathways in your brain takes time. Bearing fruit and keeping with repentance, to use Jesus' words, it takes time. Ooh, here's one. Walking out forgiveness takes time. We all are just looking for like, just give me like the secret tip. Break it down for me so I can just like forgive and move on. Here's the secret tip. It takes time. In my experience. Learning to be loved for who you truly are takes time, a lifetime. <clears throat> we love because he first loved us. And when we come to Jesus thirsty, 
He begins to pour his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. This is a teaching series on love. Naturally, I think we all think, sweet, I want to become a better lover. I'm not just talking about like, anyways, a better lover in like all of the ways, like a more loving human. We all want that. And it's easy to think, okay, tell me what to work on. Tell me what I need to do better. Okay, cool. Like, be more patient and kind and stop envying people and boasting. Simple, right? There it is. Super not simple. What's simple and incredibly difficult, wonderfully difficult, what takes a really long time is learning how to receive love from the lover of our soul. We love because he first loved us. That's, that's what this little journey through love is all about. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Getting a bigger revelation of who he is. What he's like. How Jesus loves us. And receiving his love. When I begin to get a greater revelation. When I begin to experience the patience of God in Christ. It changes one. When we begin to realize God is so, so patient and kind. It changes you from the inside out. It doesn't mean I like automatically, magically become this more kind person, but my goodness, it, it, it changes my perspective. And I realize when I lose patience with the people around me and I just go through for the throat, I'm like, wait, hang on a second, hang on a second. And I remember, oh, but my father's so good. I've been loved so well. He's so incredibly patient. It empowers us. God's love empowers us to love. To love ourselves. To love our neighbor. To even love our enemies. How wild is that? Not just the people we like, not just blood, people we can't stand, people who curse us. God's love empowers us to love. That's encouraging and very humbling, I must say. This is the key to becoming a better lover. In summary, come to the deeper well or come to the source on the surface we all look okay, but apart from Jesus, we will all slowly curve in on ourselves, eternally drifting into the loveless abyss of our own self-loathing. But with Jesus, the lover of our souls, loving others, loving ourselves, even loving those who hate us, starts to become real. Are you guys with me? Can we stand together?